0: Welcome. I'm Dr. Whitney Hauser with Dry Eye Coach, and I'm going to be interviewing a good friend of mine, Dr. Walt Whitley from Virginia Eye Consultants, and and Walt runs the dry eye practice at that office. So welcome, Walt.
1: Hey, thanks, Whitney. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, very good. We're glad to have you. So, you know, we're just going to talk a little bit about what you do in your dry clinic, how you kind of got things rolling, and um, what you think are critical pieces for practitioners to have in their offices. So, to get the ball rolling, why should optometrists consider starting a dry clinic?
1: That's a great question, Whitney, and when it comes to why, is because our patients are needing our treatments, they're needing us to Help them with something that they've been suffering from for many many years Uh, patients we know that whether it's the foreign body sensation whether it's the blurred vision uh, whatever the reason they're coming for the for the visit dry eye does play a role and so glasses contact lenses if it's surgery this is something that we have to think of as optometrists Dry eye, this is a disease state that we should own. I mean, we see 66% of all eye care visits, 78% of all first-time eye care visits. And so part of the, part of the workup whenever we're seeing our patient is to do a comprehensive eye evaluation, including wellness, looking at the tears, looking at the tear layer, the lids, in addition to the rest of the eye with the cornea, lens, and everything in the back.
0: Right. So, it's a huge right.
1: opportunity for us to 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 uh, identify our patients and treat a need.
0: So serving the patients uh, certainly is a large part of it. Uh, being an opp- giving an opportunity to diagnose those patients who are already in our office. And that's sort of treating dry eye as the condition. What about you know actually starting a clinic? I mean, do you think that, Practices can support that, you know, having that as be part of a, a special service that they offer relative to just blending in with your general patient population.
1: Yeah, starting with, with within the practice itself and especially dry eye clinic, this is something that is a huge opportunity because, uh, you know, patients, this is something that, that they need. It's a service that not everyone's providing, and it's a way that you can set yourself and your, your practice uh, apart. How do you start about that? First, attend the different education seminars. Uh, Become engaged, become enthused about dry eye disease. Start finding patients and asking the questions. Be aggressive with the different treatment options. Follow the evidence-based medicine. And as any practitioner, good patient care is always treating and following our patients. And whenever you follow up your dry eye patients, following the various protocols and available treatments, you're going to see the benefit that our patients are having from the various technologies that are available.
0: I don't know about you, but when I talk to a lot of colleagues, they say, you know, I want to do this. I'm eager to do this. Then there's some sort of barrier that they hit that they don't maybe hit execution. And part of that, I think, is thinking, well, other people are doing it. You know, I'm not going to make a a local impact in my community. I'm not going to stand out. And in my opinion, I think it's Absolutely to the contrary. I think that there's a lot of talk about treating dry eye aggressively and not as many practices as one would think are actually taking the bull by the horns and going for it. What's your opinion?
1: It's it's an opportunity. And this is an opportunity, as you just mentioned, is take the bull by the horns. And first you're doing it within your practice. You'll be surprised just within your practice how many dry eye patients that you have there. To grow your practice, we have colleagues all all within our areas that they they may treat some dry eye, they may dabble it, they may dabble in some other disease states, but this is another opportunity to get referrals to your practice, which word of mouth referrals will continuously grow from the other providers as well as the patients. Looking at our other colleagues, whether they're primary care, whether it's a, a rheumatologist, whether it's ophthalmologist, not everybody is passionate about dry eye and not everybody wants to treat dry eye, But this is a service and an opportunity that you can use to uh, help your patients, but to grow your practice.
0: Right, right. And I think you hit the nail on the head that passion really needs to be part of the equation. You know, a lot of people that I talk to say, you know, I'd like to, you know, ophthalmologists would like to hire an OD to do it. OD Mm -hmm. partners would like to hire an associate to do it. You know, they always want to sort of pass the buck down the line, but passionate practitioners are the ones that will not only be the most successful in terms of patient care, but also for their uh, practice and the revenue that they generate. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So um, what sort of protocols do you think need to be in place to have really an essential dry clinic?
1: Well, to have that dry clinic first, so you've already started your passion for it, you've been educated on it, you learn all the tips and best practices from, from our peers then the next step is you have to get your staff engaged. If your staff is not involved, if they don't understand what the protocol is and, and why you've developed that protocol, what the different diagnostic tests, I mean, within our practice, uh, we utilize the tear lab for osmolarity, we utilize the uh, scan to look at mybomian glands. You know, what is the mm-hmm. why behind this test and what is this information going to give us? And then when we go to the different right. therapeutic options, you know, what is the, what what is the drug, and, and and how does it help our patient, and how do they get it, whether it's a prescription, whether there's a rebates for it, whether it's home therapy, just getting the staff engaged within the within the process itself, but it doesn't have to be that complex. The easiest thing is to ask questions and make that part of every protocol. Uh, dry the uh, dry eye summit several years ago. Uh, The four simple questions to identify a patient with dry eye is, are you bothered by dry, uh, irritated eyes? Number two, are you bothered by your red eyes? Three, do you feel the need to use eye drops? And then four, do you experience changes or fluctuations in vision? And if patients say yes to any of that, then you can follow up with the appropriate testing within the practice and then the, 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 the baseline treatment as well but that's a simple protocol that either your staff can ask the questions or you routinely ask the questions at every single patient encounter. Yes, there's other right. other tiers and or other tests that we can implement, but that is the easiest way to start and it doesn't cost you anything. And so the barrier to entry is very low on that,
0: but, Right. but the outcome is right. very high. So to sort of summarize, having more or less A standard operating procedure for that and maybe as you said doesn't have to be quite so regimented as a written you know standard operating procedure but consistency with your staff because you know having worked in private practice for many years what you find is people get excited they're passionate for a couple weeks and then they go back to habits you know and as Mm -hmm. they do they start to lose opportunities so the next thing would be education of both the staff and the patients. If the if the staff is well educated, they're able to then convey that message to the patients. And just the most basic thing is asking your patients the right questions to sort of elicit that response and and find out if they have a problem. And that's going to hit the symptomatic patients certainly. Probably, like you said, using things like liposcan and and osmolarity are vital to finding those asymptomatic patients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. What recommendations do you have for a beginning practitioner, somebody that's either a new graduate or, or even perhaps an older practitioner, but who's really wanting to just start into the, the dry game?
1: Well, that's going to go with the different questionnaires is is something that I do recommend. It's something that we recommend to our referring doctors and whenever I'm lecturing about dry eye is implementing simple questionnaires, such as the the speed questionnaire, the OSDI, because that's just the patients are going to give you an idea of what their problem is. And I think if you're going to start a dry eye practice, that's the the easiest uh, way to go. Uh, Yes, there's different tests that are available, but if we look at as long as we take a look at the lids during our examination, right. we all have our fluorescein dye and our lysamine green to look to look at the early signs of dryness. But then we can also look at the quality of the tear film utilizing tear film breakup time. And so for the right. beginning practitioner, that's all, that's all that you need as you progress right. within the dry eye and become more passionate. And, and, and as your practice grows, and then you can implement tools such as the osmolarity and understanding that number Teaching your staff about that number, your patients, and what we're trying to do is help provide homeostasis of the tears and stabilize the tears as much as possible. That we have the uh, the InflamDry is another test that we could we could utilize uh, the Lipis scan right. as well, but you know just just baby steps and just first seeing the patient, identifying the patient, and treating it. You did mention education earlier there, Whitney, and another part of that right. education with the staff and patient is letting them know that we're not going to fix this overnight. Because oftentimes, if we catch it in the early stages, we may be able to address a lot quicker. But a lot of our patients have been suffering for over six and a half years, and they've tried over three different artificial tears. And what I tell my patients is, well, Mrs. Smith, if you've had dry eye for this amount of time, well, it may take, we're not going to fix it in a week. We may not fix it in a month. It's going to take time, but but I'm going to be here with you, show them empathy that we're going to be there to help them with their problem.
0: I think that partnership is really important between the doctor and the patient. And I think in my opinion, and, and maybe you've experienced this as well, the the churn or the bounce of patients from practice to practice is to in a large part due to the fact that they don't feel like they get that connection that the practitioner is identifying a real problem. You know, perhaps we're mm-hmm. assessing dry eye, perhaps we're making some recommendations, but really understanding the gravity with which this affects their activities of daily living and their quality of life, I think, is sometimes, you know, undervalued by the doctors. And I think they're looking for that that partnership that you've kind of laid out. And I think that's really important to keeping the patients that you have because it's always cheaper to keep a patient than to go find a new one. So um, what are the, uh, we kind of talked about the diagnostic tests in your clinic. So you have a a wide variety of them. You know, as you mentioned, for a beginning practitioner, those are not necessarily essentials that you have all of them. It's something that you can kind of build from. Um, though you've touched on it a little bit, what would you say your top three things are for a beginning practitioner to have? Assuming you already have fluorescein in your office and a slit lamp to kind of work with, three things that you think maybe a new practitioner, someone wanting to jump into dry should add in?
1: Well, one thing is during the evaluation is the lids. I mean we've all right. seen that mybomian gland evaluator. Those are very effective mm-hmm. to 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 allow you to see, you know, the what, what what is coming out of the mybomian glands. But that's essentially what we need to do is assess the meibomian glands, whether you need your thumb, whether you need your Q-tip, you got to take a look to see the function of those glands as well. We all have a pen light where we can transilluminate. So even for the beginning practitioner, you may not have the the liposcan, but you can just invert uh, or evert the lower lid and you can see uh, in the retroillumination, you can see the meibomian glands and whether there's atrophy or not, and so evaluating the lids with either meibomian gland evaluator or cotton swab or, or, or whatever you need there. The tear right. lab osmolarity unit—that's the other thing that is uh, that is part of our our protocol uh, within our practice—and so all of our providers do follow the same dry eye protocol. Uh, so we have we have those two things. And then the scan, uh, as I mentioned before, from uh, Tear Science, that is also part of our protocol because, yes, we can put drops on the on patient's eyes all day long, but if we ignore the meibomian glands, we've heard about obvious and non-obvious MGD. It's only non-obvious if you're not expressing the glands and taking a look at those glands.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, like you said about transillumination, you know, for me, transillumination seems you know, cumbersome and tough to see. But I tell you, once you start, you know, visualizing the glands, if you don't have the the luxury of myography in your office, all of a sudden you recognize what you haven't been looking like, looking at. It's almost like an iceberg. You only see what you see above the surface, and really seeing that below the surface image can be enlightening um, mm-hmm. for for doctors. So um, as we kind of conclude, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about co-management. You practice and have for many years in a co-management center. Typically, when we think of co-management, we think of it as perhaps a bidirectional patient referral, but oftentimes a unidirectional referral from optometry to ophthalmology for surgical care or advanced treatment. When we think about dry eye care, it opens up a whole new opportunity to have A uh, a referral to optometry from ophthalmology and other medical specialties. What's your opinion about that?
1: Oh, definitely, definitely. Within within our practice, um, the a lot of the optometrists, such as myself, we're running the dry eye clinic, and we're seeing a lot of of the patients. Um, We do also have a couple of ophthalmologists, uh, Dr. Yu and Dr. Shepard, who are very passionate about dry eye as well. But not all of right. our, not all surgeons are going to be passionate about it. And so it's an opportunity for us, uh, for, for the practicing OD, go talk with your surgeon. Tell them, about, uh, tell them about the services that you're providing, that you want to work with them, and you're happy to see any other patients for, for any, of these, uh, any of these type conditions when it comes to ocular surface disease, whether it's uh, blepharitis, uh, dry eye, or even allergy, because these are chronic conditions that need to be managed over time. And the surgeons, they're going to want to do surgery, and they want to see their right. cataracts and their glaucoma. And so uh, um, just just initiate that discussion. Once you start getting a referral, communicate, send notes back uh, to, to the uh, referring provider. Let them know exactly right. what you do. And as long as you keep them in the loop and keep the communication open, it's only going to strengthen that relationship. You're going to get more referrals from that, and it's just going to continue to grow.
0: Right. When you think about referral networks, it's always the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So when mm-hmm. you think about those notes and things, I think they're important. I don't think they have to be detailed, but I do think giving information and feedback to the doctor is important to continue that flow and communication between uh, both doctors.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, One well, other thing I'd that like I do want to said...
1: add on, can, can I add one yeah. more thing there, Whitney? <laughs>
0: sure. So when you're talking Absolutely. about uh, uh,
1: co-management and collaboration, one other opportunity is, let's say you have the uh, LipaFlow, okay, and, and you're doing, or you have the the IPL, and you have this right. different technology. Not every MD or every OD is going to have this. This is something that you can go to those providers and say, hey, let me work with you on your patients. This is the technology that I have, and you can do in-services for them, and that is another way to grow your practice as well. When you have technology that they don't that they're going to they, look to you as the expert uh, within your area.
0: You're exactly right. Standout technology like that is not available everywhere. Uh, and even if it is, you know, ophthalmologists may not think that's a, a welcome opportunity for them. So letting them know, you know, I'd love to see your patients and help take care of them, I think really opens the door uh, for both both parties. All right. Well, Walt, I really appreciate you taking time to speak with us this afternoon. And uh, that's it. Thanks so much for joining us with Dry Coach. And we'll see you again next time. Thank you.